back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, your bi-weekly book club podcast focused on helping guests clear out their TBR list. I'm Megan Griffin, and I am joined, as always, by my absolutely amazing co-host, Stephanie Cortez. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. A little bit uh, I'm done crying after this week, because <laughs> this book definitely caused some tears. Yep, I can see that. <laughs> For sure. But, uh... This week, we are joined by Sarah Ift Decker, and she recommended Kindred by Octavia Butler. Yes. Sarah, how are you doing? I am good. I am good. Hopefully, I don't stumble over S names. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I just had a moment of that. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to do it. (laughs) So, Sarah, why was this book on your list? So um, I decided this year that I would want that I wanted basically to do a year of only reading books that are not written by white men, um, okay. because I think just too much of the media that we are uh, exposed to and that we tend to read and have access to is stuff created by white men. And so I decided I wanted to not do that this year, especially given everything that is going on in the world. Um, and this is something that was recommended to me. And once I actually figured out what it was, I was realized basically this is stupid that I haven't read this book before because this is exactly the kind of book that I really like. Um, because I really like, uh, you know, fantasy and time travel kind of things. Um, and you know, I really like history. I'm professionally a historian. Um, uh, and so I realized like, this is really something that I should read. So this was definitely something that was on my to be read list and that I'm glad to have had the chance to read with you guys. Yeah. I don't know why this one never made it onto my list other than the fact that like, I think it's commonly read in high school and those books just tend to not end up on my list of like things I want to read. Right. I have a lot of books that I think I sort of missed in high school in part because I switched schools between middle school and high school. And so I think there are some that kind of go bitch back and forth between the two. And so I missed them uh, or I don't know, I guess just this wasn't designed for me in high school because we were reading a lot of books by white dudes. So <laughs> yep. <laughs> I actually hadn't heard of this book. I'd heard of the author from a friend of mine. She said that she had read Fledgling, I think it is. Um, and I thought she'd also recommended Kindred, but then I said, I texted her something about the book. She's like, wait a minute, I haven't read this book. (laughs) You can borrow my copy. (laughs) Oh, I think I'd heard of her as more of like a straight science fiction author and hadn't realized that this is what this book was about. Uh, so I I was kind of surprised once I actually looked it up. Yeah. I did not read the back of the book. (laughs) (laughs) I knew her to be a sci-fi novelist. And I knew Kindred was one of those like really important books, but I always equated it. But now like I've texted a few of my friends, like some of my um, other English major friends that kind of did different backgrounds than me. And none of them have actually read this. So maybe this book isn't the <laughs> book I was thinking of, oh. but huh. it should be read in high schools if it's not. Absolutely. <laughs> because it's kind of amazing. Yes. Yeah. And just horrific enough that it might ruin people from reading during high school, which I think is exactly <laughs> what a high school book should be. I might be scarred for a few of mine. <laughs> well, since I keep seeing posts about schools now kind of romanticizing slavery or homework assignments where people or the kids have to give the pros of slavery or the positives. Oh, God. Um, yeah, they should read this Wait. book. Wait. What? I, this was just yeah. That's insane. <laughs> it was so 
them like like a chart you know like on this side list like the positive aspects of slavery and on this side list the negative aspects of slavery oh wow. my god i'm so, so glad i haven't seen that i've yeah. not done much i haven't done much research to see make sure that that's real but it was going around facebook and i was like you know in this country i would not be surprised if a kid came home and that oh. was their, yeah. their assignment and I will say it. So I grew up in Maryland, which was a slave state. And, you know, I was also pretty near Virginia. And so I went on uh, like two plantations on school trips when I was a kid. And hopefully they're a little better now. I don't know. It's been a very long time since I've been to a plantation. But at the time, they still were essentially, I would say, upsettingly positive about slavery, or at least tended to try to gloss over a lot of the negatives um, in ways that were really disturbing. God. I'm from the South, so <laughs> yeah. They still, uh, the it, it's shocking the way that I, when I learned that friends from the North don't learn about the Civil War as much as you do in the South, right? Like I feel like we learned it every <laughs> year, and uh, yeah, it's kind of eye opening to get up here, and people are like, it's taught kind of as quickly as like other wars before world war one are right it's like oh really because i can tell <laughs> you so much about civil war <clears throat> yeah and it doesn't help i grew up just north of atlanta which of course burned in the civil war so right lots of history there yes <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know who octavia butler is because I had at least one friend when I went, Octavia Butler, and they went, oh, the actress. And I went, no. <laughs> no. Um, she is known for being the first black um, sci-fi writer, um, primarily in the 70s and early 80s. Um, and Kindred is supposed to be the first, uh, her first sci-fi novel, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it her first popular one? I think I was looking um, it up and she had, uh, maybe there was a trilogy that she'd started, but it oh, wasn't she as, a ton. Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't as well known. And so I think maybe this is her earliest, especially well known work, but I could be wrong about that. I just was like poking around on Wikipedia a couple of days ago. Yeah, there's a lot of essays written and I, I really want to sit down and go through some of these. Yeah. And, uh. I am in part kicking myself. There's a lot of books that I've read in the past few years where I'm like, this is what should be taught instead of like to kill a mockingbird. And, right. Um, mm-hmm. And this goes on that list. Pretty yeah. High up. Yeah. I think I would have remembered because I don't, I know that I read to kill a mockingbird. I don't really remember it. This would have stuck with me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is definitely one that sticks with you. Yep. Yes. So this book is, about a woman who shortly after her 26th birthday in 1976, I believe, um, suddenly finds herself traveling back in time to 1819 Maryland. She's in 1976 California, and then suddenly back in 1819-ish, because I guess the years do change. Um, Yeah. Maryland, where she ends up saving a young white boy's life and realizes that it is her ancestor and finds herself staring down the barrel of a gun before she is transported back to her present time period. And then over the course of basically a month in 1976 time, 
travels back and forth to continuously save this guy's life, realizing that he's a plantation owner, he has slaves, and that... <laughs> I was saying slavery was not great. But, I mean... <laughs> Which we all can agree, but this book doesn't sugarcoat it at all. Yeah, definitely not. And I did um, not read the back of the book, so the first time she gets <laughs> sent back, it, he's drowning, and um, when she saves him, and his mom does start hitting her and blaming her, saying he's dead, but she did CPR and he's fine, and then the dad comes out with a rifle, and I was like, well, that's strange. <laughs> and then the second time she goes back, um, I because he set drapes on fire, I thought, there, I can't remember what, what exactly it was that made me yeah, look at the Yeah, there was a the fire. Was like, yeah. Something about it just made me like, wait a minute, where, what time is this? <laughs> you got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was before she realized and to ask him what year it was. Yeah. Um, yes, very, yeah. Um, I think I looked at it right after the first time because I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be like an ancestor or something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I knew that that was the premise was the time travel aspect, but I didn't realize until I started reading it. I mean, until I got to that point in the book that he was actually her ancestor and it was an ancestor that she had not known was a white slave owner. Yeah. Which... And even before she starts traveling, like we know that at some point this is going to cost her her half of her arm. Right. Yes. And so all I could think was like, well, this isn't going to end happy ever. Yeah. <laughs> and... Yeah. Not especially. Yeah. Um, that being said, I, I know, uh, Stephanie, you finished it in like a night. I did because <laughs> it's very hard to read, but I couldn't, I also just could not put it down. Like I, like that movie, 12 years a slave. I did not see that mm-hmm. movie. I won't see that movie. I don't feel a need to watch another slave movie, mm-hmm. but this was obviously a different take on it and I just really wanted her to get out of there and stay out of there yeah. and stay in 1976 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so I couldn't stop reading is basically what happened <laughs> yeah about the time I hit the halfway point which was as I was getting off the subway last night I was like oh well my night plans are now canceled because <laughs> like I have to get her to a safe place so for I me it was about the halfway <laughs> point too um, was when I just could not stop reading um, yeah. but I ended up staying up until like 1am which I don't usually do uh, to finish it that's about how that happened for me that first day I don't think I went to bed till 1 because then I realized how little I had left and then I didn't want to yeah. put it down it's like getting her to, to the safe space but then you yeah. know she's going to get pulled back because there's still book left you know? yes yes and all I kept thinking was like, this is going to be a happy ending, right? Like at some point this has to get happy. And yeah. it doesn't. Like no. it doesn't right. end bad, but it also doesn't end happy. Well, I had this, yeah. the foolish, hopeful thought that when she realizes that this is her ancestor um, and that he, it's him and this woman, Alice, that have a daughter named Hagar. And then that's where her line basically starts this foolish thought that maybe even though he's the son of a plantation owner maybe his interactions with dana will change him and they'll run away to the north where she can be free yeah foolish yeah (laughs) that's where this was going spoilers that does not happen yeah i was hoping maybe he'd free his slaves or something at least yeah something yep 
Nope. But at one point they made a comment that it was like 30 years before the Civil War, and I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. Um, No, I, I, this is really jumping back for a minute, but your comment on 12 Years a Slave, Roxane Gay did a really great essay on 12 Years a Slave that Mm -hmm. basically was like, because I have no interest in seeing it, but this, it, it talks about like how it's also still a woman being sacrificed for a man's journey and i was like oh now i really don't have to see okay this. so in right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so just to add to anybody else that's on the fence it's okay yeah. not to see this movie <laughs> yeah and no and what's- yeah and in a way i will say well on the one hand it would have been nice if he she had actually you know had that kind of influence on her ancestor Mm-hmm. I am in some ways glad that it wasn't ultimately about, you know, her making him a better person or anything yeah, like yes. that. And that she wasn't, you know, put it, you know, going through this horrible experience to like make him a good guy. Yeah. And it seems like at the core of this book, what was trying to be accomplished was showing that because we all, you know, now we're in the 21st century and looking back on it, we're like, how did slavery become a thing? And, and the book portrays how this couple basically thinks they're pretending to be slave master and a slave and eventually she realizes that she is submiss- being becoming more and more mm-hmm. submissive and how easy it is to be kind of fall into this mentality and it's horrific and you can't look away yeah. but it's so realistic that you're like okay now I can see how this happened and it's still actually probably even more so terrible yeah the use of dogs i don't know i mean i knew that they used dogs but like Mm -hmm. i'd never crossed my mind yeah and it's just everything about this book and then finding out that there's the graphic novel because at first i was like oh the graphic novel would be fun to read and then i finished i was like i'm never ever 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 finding this graphic novel yeah i don't need to see this portrayed (laughs) And what's even yeah. more insane is that the person who adapted the graphic novel is a white dude with red hair. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm sure there are great intentions here and I haven't read anything. I know there's a few like essays about it or like interviews with the uh, adapter and, and the artist is, is an African American guy mm-hmm. that, you know, is pretty uh, well known for uh, his illustrations um and yet i was still like a white dude with red hair (laughs) yeah it's rufus (laughs) yeah it's rufus yeah yeah (laughs) i'm good never reading that i looked at a few pages and was like i'm so good (laughs) i actually i don't think I necessarily need to read the graphic novel. I actually would be really interested in seeing um, how this got transformed into like a movie or a TV miniseries. Um, if they ever did that, I think that would be really fascinating yeah. to see. Yeah. I hope so because this, no matter what, like our main character is incredibly strong. Yes. Even though she and- says, She's not. She tells her husband several times she doesn't think that she has the strength that her ancestors did to survive slavery. But she does survive it for, I can't remember how long it is in 1800s time, like a year maybe? 
she somewhere between a year and two years. Two, yeah. yeah. So she does survive it for a while. Yeah, adding up all the visits, I think it's got to be about two years, maybe, because yeah. there's at least one really long one that's like eight months, and I think there's a few others. Yeah. Um, so. And there was a Christmas. Yeah. yeah there was at least one Christmas involved. Yeah. One Christmas. Yeah. The moment that she she said, "I turned 27." back then or something like that and i just like had to put the book down for a second i was like i don't know why this one's affected me the most but like the lost time more than anything it's not just that she's got to save her own family line or whatever but it's that she has essentially lost at least a year of her life yeah her husband's lost five yeah at least yeah and it's just so much yeah so I don't think we've even said our main character's name is Dana. Yes. Um, she is an author in 1970s um, and seems to be doing well enough to that. It's her main career. I believe I know that she yeah. worked um, some kind of temp stuff to make some money while she became an author, but it seems like they, they don't ever really say like, and she got it together. Or that she got... No, she did get something published. There was a part where it talks about she finally got something yeah. published. Yeah. So. And her husband, too, because he's a writer as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they have so many books. Like, the descriptions of them unpacking their house and, like, putting up these books. And I was like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I know. That sounded I... very familiar. The, like, just <laughs> amount of books and the, like, moving with books. I'm like, I recognize yes. that experience. <laughs> Chris mentioned something about possibly moving, and my first thought was, all of my books in the basement. I really got to go through those, but I'm probably not going to get rid of any if I'm being honest with myself. No. I was just thinking that. I was looking. It was like, some of the books from my bedroom have made its way to other places. I don't know where. I need to clean out my shelves. I was like, if I clean out, bring some from the living room to the bedroom, I guess. (laughs) One of the fantastic things about now having an office for the first time is that I get to have some of my books there, which means I've been able to hold off slightly longer on buying the third bookshelf that I so desperately need. (laughs) Yes, my mother keeps reminding me that I need to build up, not out. I'm out of space. (laughs) But my ceilings are very high. So Mm -hmm. we have Dana. She is married to Kevin. Um, The first thing that I love is that... Okay, so usually when it's a white author, if anybody is not white, the color is mentioned. Right. It takes a while for her to get around to the fact that Kevin is a white guy. And yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so because it is a you know integral part of the story, she's in an interracial relationship, and her ancestors are supposed to be this interracial relationship. And I kept thinking, like, oh, it's going to be a great one. It is terrible. It is so awful. Yeah. It is not a great one. (laughs) So we start the book with Dana in the hospital. Her arm has been amputated. And Kevin is either being detained or actually in jail um, because they think that he's been beating her. Um, And that is how she broke her arm. But she basically tells him no and Kevin makes his way to the hospital and then we jumped back to essentially about a month before Um, so the first section's the river and 
the day of Dana's 26th birthday, she goes back in time for the first time. Um, she is currently unpacking her apartment in Los Angeles, and she goes back to find a small red-headed boy nearly drowning. We don't quite get his age here, but he's young. Like, yeah, he seems very young. Yeah. Um, but he's old enough, I think, that he remembers her the yes. next time. So he can't be, like, an infant. Yeah. I'm going to um, say maybe five, she thought yeah. he was, probably. That sounds right. Excuse me. Um, so she gives him CPR, and the mom starts beating her on the back. The dad points a gun at her face. And that's when she gets the dizzy feeling again and arrives back in Los Angeles. For her, it had been probably 15 minutes. Um, Kevin says it's only been seconds. And it's just like this weird, like he's holding on to her as she kind of fell and suddenly she's across the room kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And he doesn't believe her, really. Which seems strange because she literally physically disappears and then reappears across the right. room. So you feel like he should believe yeah. her at least that something right. strange happened. But And she was muddy and wet when she came back. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. But I guess he tries to rationalize it in his mind. But And she does talk about how the, the longer she's back, the more it kind of fades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so... She hits the point where, no, so the, the next one is the fire, which is yep. the same day. Like, yeah, basically they, they, she showers, changes clothes, they sit down to have dinner and she ends up getting dizzy and, and going off again. <clears throat> um, this time it is, Rufus is setting his drapes on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because his dad beat him for stealing a dollar. Um, and this is when she kind of realizes that not only has she moved in space, she's also moved in time. Yeah. Um, because Rufus is terrible to her, but also is not afraid of her. Which yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think this is also when she realizes too, that it seems to keep happening whenever he's really afraid. Um, cause even though yes. he was angry, yeah. he, the drapes fire, he was afraid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I think the um, fire was out of his con- was like out of control, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. He basically he just it to... like wanted to piss off Dad, and instead he almost killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. Burn the house down, basically. Yeah. Good job, um, kid. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so this is, I think, also when she realizes that Rufus is probably her ancestor. She yeah. Spells out his last name, and he's like, I don't, I guess that's how my last name's spelled. Um, but she asks about Alice, who is a, uh, who is free, and her mm-hmm. mother. Um, but they live on the edge of the plantation. Yeah. And this is kind of the first, I mean, everything before this has been tense, but this is when it's really horrific, or it's like starting to get horrific, because mm-hmm. we witness, um, I can't remember what they were called, the patrollers. Uh, patrollers, okay. Right. Uh, they find a man in uh, Alice's mother's house, which I don't think is Alice's dad, but it is a slave that has escaped. Mm-hmm. And they I don't end think up... we even find out his name. He's just yeah. Dead. No, yeah. just referred to as Alice's mother's husband, I think, when Dana asks. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Because Dane ended up going there because it would be safer to be there than to be in the big house, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So she goes out there. He's whipped brutally then for not having papers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, he didn't have a pass for the night, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, So they either have papers showing that they're free or a pass that they are allowed to leave the plantation. Um, both of which were fascinating because apparently like nothing in any history book really shows what these look like. Mm. Um, which then it kind of Dana and Kevin kind of realize it's because slaves weren't educated. So it wasn't like they can write their own notes. So the, right. these aren't really anything um, special or particular. Um, but she ends up taking refugees ref, yeah, in Alice's mother's house until one of the patrollers comes back to rape Alice's mom and get Dana instead. Mm-hmm. And this is when she kind of realizes that when she gets scared, she returns. Right. Yep. Um, and it had been a couple of hours, but for Kevin, it had only been a few minutes. Yep. Yeah. So this is where she does the best thing ever that I feel like most time travel novels either like tell you you can't carry anything. So thus it's never an option or people are too stupid to ever realize. But she she packs a bag. Yeah. And like grabs a weapon. (laughs) Like I was like, yes, this is brilliant. Um, And she's very smart about what she puts in the bag. does, Does Kevin start the bag for her? He does, yeah. He yeah, starts it, and then do they tie it to her? I think at one I point. I think so. Like, I think it's like tied to her with string. Yeah, yeah. Just to make sure that she has it. So clearly, Kevin believes her now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, um, but she yeah, also that's refuses definitely smart. to drive. Yeah. Right. She basically refuses to leave the house. Just yeah. in case, because she doesn't want to disappear while driving or walking outside or yeah. basically. And and at this point, she realizes on the third one that she can actually bring Kevin back with her. Yeah. Um, yep. Or he actually seems to realize this because he grabs onto her, I think, like yeah. as she's about to leave. Yeah, I right? can't tell if he realized it or if he was just trying to keep her from going. Like maybe if mm. he oh, her. I thought he was doing it on purpose, but I wasn't entirely sure not sure either it's it's not really explained either way yeah no i guess it's a shock of like holy shit it's actually real yeah Yeah. um this is also the point where we start getting like these really nice flashbacks of dana and kevin meeting and starting to talk which is like friendly moments of ah between all the horror which is like yeah. Oh, okay yeah <laughs> yes i love hearing about how you guys met and fell in love please keep talking to me though <laughs> <laughs> no, i will say i think one of the things that are that's really interesting about those flashbacks is that i mean they're generally like very like positive and nice but there's also an indication in them like that there is still a lot of you know racial tension and racism in the 1970s Um, that it comes up in particular that his, I mean, that I think neither of their families are entirely thrilled that they're together. And that in particular, you know, his family is very much not okay with him as a white man marrying a black woman. Yes. Um, But the first one is just kind of 
they're working at the same minimum wage job. Yeah. And he realizes she also likes to write. Um, and yeah, their co-workers give him a hard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Orphans. Um, and both of them basically gave up any possibility of a better future to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Which, like, good for you, because I would never, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, they, Kevin comes back with her. They find Rufus has broken his leg. Um, did he get thrown off a horse? He was climbing a tree, because his That's dad right. says something like, why are you climbing trees, dummy? <laughs> Basically. That's right. Because his father is a huge jerk. Yes. (laughs) Um, And we meet Nigel. Um, I was about to say, I really liked this section, but that sounds off. But Mm -hmm. this, I think, was still kind of, I guess, my favorite time they go back because you get to meet more of the household. Yeah. And things aren't that bad for Dana yet. (laughs) No, they really aren't. Yeah. Um, They pretend that Dana belongs to Kevin. Yeah. Because they can't be married, technically. Although they do tell Rufus that. She does tell him that, or Kevin, I think, says she's my wife. And he's like, what? Like, he's. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they show him coins to prove that they're from the future. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, like. He's like, there's no coin that says 1976. I was like, if someone's showing you a coin that says 1970 anything, like, this is what you're going to be adamant about, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, they take Rufus back to the house to kind of set the leg, and this is where um, Kevin tells his uh, Rufus's dad, Tom, that he basically promised Dana her freedom but was lying and going to sell her to Louisiana and needed a place to stay for a little while mm-hmm. and Rufus is kind of clinging to Dana for the first time mm-hmm. yeah like he's started to realize she shows up when he's in trouble right and that we we learned that his dad is really cold and honestly probably a very true portrayal of what most fathers would have been like back then yeah Um, very tough and and very in favor of things like corporal punishment as a way to uh discipline children yep um and his mom is 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 she nuts already like i'm like it's so it's tom's second wife his first wife was a lady Rufus's mom was white trash, essentially, and, like, it's like she's out to prove that she's not, mm-hmm. but yeah. also she might actually have mental problems. She um, yeah. might. I don't... I don't know. Because... It's, yeah. It, the way she reacted when he was drowning, or, you know, and after blaming her, but that could also just be the grief kind of and the, the panic of a parent almost losing their kid mm-hmm. um, because when they were setting the leg 
Kevin tells Dana later that she was there like oh you're hurting my baby like you know like freaking out about it yeah but you know most parents might because the way to straighten and fix a broken leg in 1819 I think 1819 at this point is not what they would do today and the poor thing (laughs) yeah wake for it (laughs) until he passed out from the pain so And she clearly at least, I don't know, seems very anxious at a time when, you know, there is not really, you know, medication or therapy or any serious way (laughs) of helping you deal with, you know, stress even. So (laughs) that's true. I'm thinking of her more with her opium uh, haze, I guess. Oh, God. Yeah. Which is like how you would basically dose yourself to some extent, like for that kind of anxiety, because there aren't a lot of options. Yeah. So, and I'm sure that just makes it worse in the long run. Yeah. And so his mother also kind of throws herself at Kevin, which is (laughs) wonderful. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We meet Sarah, who's the cook, and Carrie, who is her mute daughter. We also meet Luke, um, who is essentially the foreman. But he's not the foreman. He... they gave him like a different title, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's able to kind of get them to get stuff done. He's also Nigel's dad. Yes. Right. And we kind of learned that while this is a plantation, um, especially because like Luke is in charge and he's, you know, kind of got this mindset of like, ask. And even when they tell you no, do it anyways, that it's not yeah. because it's in Maryland. It's not as bad as like, Georgia or Mississippi or Louisiana. Yeah, you know, it's not the deep south, so it's not as bad. Yeah. Right. Um, where, like, if you're going to get hit, it's because you deserved it for something you did rather than for, like, fun. And I don't know how to say this without, like, I hope my tone portrays enough of, like, none of this is still okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is all a problem. And I think one of the things the book does really well, and I think especially in this section, is uh, talking about the extent to which it is easy to get used to this. Yes. Um, uh, You know, both for her and for Kevin, you know, in their very different roles that their race and gender place them in. Um, But that's one of the things that's so horrifying about it is that it's so easy to just accept this as your normal. There is a really, really great quote in this they're here essentially for two months, I believe, during this yep. time. Yeah. Two months. Although when they go back, or when that ends, it's basically they back to the same day, even yeah. though it's yes. been two months. And it's also during this section that uh, it essentially is, like, found out that she is educated. Oh, yeah. Yes. Tom does not like that. Yeah, he, he is, he is not thrilled um, that she is, like, she reads, she is reading to Rufus. She speaks um, properly. Like. Yeah. <laughs> he's not at first, but then he realizes, because he keeps Kevin on to tutor Rufus, but then he's like, I could just buy this slave and then mm-hmm. not have to pay for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe also take her to his own bed, because it is implied that Kevin is, you know, keeping her around for that reason as well. Yes. Yeah. Because originally she was sleeping up in the attic, and then he's like, no, just come to my room. Um, I think Margaret catches her at one point, freaks yeah. out, but then nothing ever happens with that. And then Tom sees her leaving one morning, and he just winks at her and carries mm-hmm. on about his day. 
because I'm sure he thinks that's a very normal thing for a master oh, yeah. to do with his slave. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. There's a comment during this section. There's two of them. It's uh, the first one was, it disturbed me t- uh, too when I thought about it. How easily we seem to acclimate. Not that I would wanted us to have trouble, but it seemed as though we should have had a harder time adjusting to this particular segment of history, adjusting to our place in the household of a slaveholder. And then a little while later, and I began to realize why Kevin and I had fitted so easily into this time. We weren't really in. We were observers watching a show. We were watching history happen around us, and we were actors. While we waited to go home, we humored the people around us by pretending to be like them. But we were poor actors. We never really got into our roles. We never forgot that we were acting. Which is a very important... I, I highlighted it just because it hit me hard, but it actually turns out to be like a really important line for later in the book. Yeah. Um, and, and this is also when there's a point where, um, is it Wayland? Is that how they're pronounced? I think so. Yeah. Wayland. Well, that's um, how I've been saying I, it. <laughs> I've been saying it Wayland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Works for me. Uh, he takes, he he ends up whipping a field hand. Yeah. Um, I don't even think that there's a reason why. He talked back. That oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, and Kevin doesn't see it. All right. the slaves are brought out to watch it happen. And Kevin asks her later and is like, she's like, I've seen whippings. And he's like, how many? And she's like, one, but that's too many in and of itself kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. So. Um. I also, as we find out more that Sarah's sons were sold, obviously for money. Yeah. Um, but it was, it basically stemmed from after Tom's first wife died, Margaret wanted new everything now that this was her home. So yeah. sold Sarah's sons for the money and only left Carrie, uh, her daughter, because she can't speak. Um, so Sarah's obviously very angry about that. And in particular hates Margaret for this reason. Yes. <laughs> yep. I do enjoy every time they talked about Margaret, she's like that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just every time. Yes. <laughs> also, um, I th- there was this one point, point where I think it's around when they're talking or when it's being talked about, about how they're acting. Kevin says something to Dana about how this could be a great time to live in and that, you know, he's thinking about how great it would be to go out west and watch the building of the country. And it's just like, Kevin, you are in the year 1819 with your black wife and the only cover is that she is your slave. I'm all for finding the bright side. If this is your situation, there's no bright side. We don't want to hear it. Plus, yeah. he also forgot about how this country was built on the backs of people of color because when she brings up the Native Americans and what's happening to them in that time, he just kind of looks at her like, oh. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of Hadn't to thought about that one. Times. Yeah. Yeah. Because he also very like the fact that he is saying, oh, this would be a fun time to live in. It's very clearly like you can say that because you're a white man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the other things that I really loved about this book is that I feel like time travel narratives don't often dwell upon the fact that time travel is really only something that isn't terrible if you're a white man. Mm. Yep. (laughs) That in almost any period of, you know, American or European history, like 
not being a man is going to be terrible and not being a white person is going to be terrible. Yeah. So. There is not a time I would go back to. (laughs) No. I like medicine. (laughs) That was another thing I really liked when she's in the cookhouse and she's looking around at the food with the knowledge she has from the seventies about sanitation and and (laughs) disease and everything. And she's just like, what should I eat? What is okay? Like that's real. (laughs) Yeah. And I like that she does it without, I feel like if this book was written today, there'd be a lot of pointing out, like, see, there's the white privilege, Mm -hmm. but that never is stated. It's heavily implied. Oh yeah. But without being like, in your face about it, which right. I think is enough to make this book. There's a lot of books that I've read in the past year that I'm like, they should teach this in school, but it's got enough of 2017 and 2018 in mm-hmm. it that it's going to turn off people as where this, I don't think that you can read this and be like, there's no white privilege in this, <laughs> but yeah. it's also not like in your face, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the food scene when she's like eating a ham sandwich and then she's like, oh my God. Yeah. What if this is going to kill me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. And then she at least has the benefit of, you know, having vaccines, which yes. none of the people around her have. So. Yeah. I also love that like later, uh, so she's given corn mush for her first mm-hmm. meal and then later Sarah's like if you didn't like it why didn't you say anything <laughs> so it's it is still a plantation it is still horrific but it is like a, there's no overseer and it's like yeah. the overseer is all supposed to be the most evil person yeah excuse me and plus Dana basically gets to stay between the cookhouse and the house um, right. going back mm-hmm. to read to Rufus and take care of Kevin's room and then back, you know, back to the cookhouse to work there. So she's not actually in the field. So we don't see that yet. Yeah. And because Kevin is there, she is protected from things yeah. like rape, which is a very common thing that yeah. would happen yeah. to women house servants or house slaves. Basically, one big rule for her is that she the only time she's allowed to read is to uh, Rufus. Yeah. And because Rufus grew up with a bunch of slave kids running around that are essentially his friends, um, Nigel's like, hey, I want to learn to read, too, because, you know, he's probably really used to getting what Rufus kind of gets. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she starts teaching Ni- uh, Nigel... And um, plans to teach Carrie. I don't think she actually does teach Carrie. Um, I think she's, like, about to start, yeah. Yeah. So she's, like, in the middle of burning up, like, a a quiz that she's just given him when Tom walks in and catches her with a book. Yeah. And uh, ends up whipping her. She screams for Kevin as she's, you know, the dizziness starts to come back over her. But he cannot reach her in time when she goes back to 1976. And this was the point I couldn't put the book down because I was like, oh, God, when she dies, is she going to be safe in this house? But also, like, they're in love. They're a couple. And she's just left her husband back in the 1800s. Yeah. 
And I mean, yes, he's a white guy, but it's still the 1800s. Like, yeah. yeah. And she also has no idea when or technically if she's going to get to go back. Yes. Right. Like, theoretically, that could have been the last time that Rufus ever got hurt. Or it might be that she doesn't go back again for like 20 years. I mean, yeah. obviously five years isn't great, but it could have been worse. Yeah. So she's alone without him for eight days. Yeah. Um, and she packs an even better bag. Yeah. Like she throws in Tylenol and toothbrushes and toothpaste. And I was like, yes. And soap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not ointment. She does throw that in the next time around. Um, oh, and paper. There's like a bunch of things that she throws into this bag. Yeah. The map. She lost. Yes. Wait, is that this one? Yeah. yeah she does throw in the map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She throws in a history book. Yes. Yep. And uh, um, an extra clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but she does get the call again, I guess, and is transferred back to a time where Rufus is getting beaten up by Isaac Jackson, who turns out to be Alice's husband. And if you haven't remembered Alice is her however much removed great grandmother and Rufus is supposed to be her great grandfather and while it's not ever stated that like she thought they were in love she never knew he was a white plantation owner and I mean you don't have to flat out say like and I thought they were you know happily married but you could hope I got the vibe (laughs) because that was my hope this yeah, is you where can, that yeah. hope was dashed. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I realized Alice was married, I was like, "Oh no!" Nope. Yeah, and because yeah. you can tell that she is still very much like hopeful until basically like that moment that okay, yes, right. he's like a white plantation owner, right. but that there is at least like some kind of like I don't know, nice relationship between yeah. the two of them. Yeah, like, maybe the love is strong enough to get him to get rid of all of you know the plantation. No, no. In fact, he loves her so much he wants to rape her. Yep. That's how you show it. Apparently. That's how love works. Yep. Yeah. Apparently men today still some think that way. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We are sitting here days after the Toronto car accident and finding Mm -hmm. out what caused that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what incel was until... No, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I knew like, about no. that side of the internet. I didn't realize they had names. Yeah. But... Chad and Stacy's. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, a little bittersweets. Uh, so, Isaac is all about to kill Rufus, understandably. Yep. Yeah. Um, and instead, Dana convinces him to run, or convinces them both to run, and convinces yeah. Rufus that to say that he was beaten up by and robbed by a bunch of white guys. Yeah. And hopes yeah. that Alice and Isaac can run away and be happy. And, like, at no point is she like, but, you know, me. Like, some of the negative reviews I read about this was that she does a lot of things that and it seems to be selfish you know to get her but at no point does she really seem to me to be like 
I need to get my family's timeline started so that I can be. Yeah. Like she doesn't. Yeah. It's more of an she afterthought. Yeah. yeah. And that I would say to the extent that she does it, at least like it's not in this situation when obviously the best possible situation for Alice is for her to get away. Yeah. It's only right. something that actually comes up, you know, in a scenario where, I mean, there's not really a good option available for Alice in some ways. Yeah. yeah. And Alice is still free at this point. Yep. Yeah. And she remembers Dana. She tells her that her man had waited for a while, but he left and that Rufus yeah. knows where. Um, oh, I find man. out it's been five years. Mm-hmm. It's been five years. Isaac is a slave. I think she, does she actually write him a note? I think she offers to, but I don't remember if they actually have her do it. Yeah. yeah. She does offer to write the pass, though, but um, no. So, but we do learn that, yeah, it's been five years, and he's gone north, and occasionally he comes back to yeah. to see if she's come back. Mm-hmm. Um, Dana starts, letters. yeah, nursing Rufus back to health, and, and gets... And writes a letter to have Rufus sent to Kevin. Yeah. Did you guys think that Rufus was really going to mail the letter? I did at first until someone was like, you should make sure. And I was like, oh, he didn't fucking send <laughs> Yeah, I, I had really high hopes for a little bit. And then, yeah, I think that was the same point for me that I was just like, no, he didn't do that. This book kept telling like, me nope. it wasn't going to be happy. <laughs> right. I think because of us finding out about Alice having married Isaac and then me think, you know, realizing, oh, that whole thing about them running away to get, that's not going to happen. I was immediately yeah. like, he's not going to send this letter. I just know it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust her fast. He's terrible. He's going to be terrible. I did have a moment of wondering if she was her own great grandmother. Oh, dear God. Oh, God. And I was like, Ooh. I don't think this book is going that way. Thank God it did not go that way. But yes. I really had a moment of like, I don't know if I can handle it if it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Rufus, it, he is in love with Alice. It's like, how do I say this that doesn't sound like I'm apologizing for him? He is in love with her because he swears he'll buy her to save her. If she's caught. Because he doesn't want her to be sold down south. Yeah. Right. But also, like, you are a horrible, awful person. And Yes. I mean, he's in love with her in a context where that love is essentially meaningless because despite being, quote, in love with her, he still thinks that owning her is an acceptable thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And that owning people in general is an acceptable right. thing to do. Because she's free, and he, if he really loved her, she could stay that way. Exactly. No. Yeah. As and we will he's, see. He's seen Dana and Kevin married, so he's like, this is totally possible. And, like, you guys did it, why can't I? Because he's skipping uh, the part where the two of them chose to marry each other. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so in case anybody didn't realize... Alice and Isaac are caught. Yeah. Um, yep. Rufus does buy Oof. Alice. Yep. Um, and he tells Dana at first that, like, oh, yeah, Isaac got sold. But Isaac didn't just get sold down to Mississippi. Like, how Isaac's still alive. 
before going to Mississippi. Because the when you talked about the dogs, this is where we yeah. when mm-hmm. Dana's caring for Alice, she's like dogs clearly just chewed her. So if they did this to her, what did the dogs do to Isaac? And then Isaac's ears yeah. were cut off. Yep. Yeah. Before he was sold. Oh. Yeah. Oh, also before this happens, he makes um, Dana burn the book and the map. Yes. That was also about when I started to be really upset with Rufus and also started to like be like, oh, I think he's too influenced by his surroundings and he's not yep. going to be a good guy. He's definitely not going to turn out to be somebody trustworthy. Is that like he reads a book and the yeah. first thing he says is like, this is a bunch of abolitionist trash? Yes. Yeah. That actually made like, me laugh because I feel like if someone came back and was like, here's a book of 2018 and look, look, here's all the stuff that's going to happen. I could see a lot of people, a lot of Trump supporters being like, this is trash. Yes, but I wouldn't like those people. No, exactly. Right. I'm not saying yes. It just made me laugh because I was like, this is no different than someone presenting a news story today and being like, I don't believe that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the map because he doesn't want her to be able to leave which we will yes. see yeah and that he presents it as like doing it for her safety that like if yeah. she gets caught with it she'll be in danger yeah. and like i just i was like i don't trust that that's yeah that's creepy yeah i think burning the book she shouldn't have brought the book mm-hmm. like i get her intent but is she sitting there realizing like all these people that are mentioned in this book that like yeah. he just turns the page he could find out and stop this like entire uh, timeline from happening yeah and, yeah no I mean they that do not was... want to like ex- like give like a pamphlet explaining how the entire civil war went down to a bunch exactly. of like southern <laughs> plantation owners yes <laughs> learn from their he's mistakes. not educated he's not an idiot so mm-hmm. uh, and plus like he knows where she's from she doesn't yes. need to prove it to him and his dad knows too because um, obviously he saw her disappear she disappeared literally right in front of his eyes yeah. Um, yeah and she finds out that Kevin and Rufus did you know fill him in so he knows it's the who else needs that she, I just and then I think Nigel was there also and saw her disappear mm-hmm. so people yes. have seen it happen He's, and they yeah so I think the maps know. were a really good idea but she should have actually ripped out the maps yeah. to begin with yeah. and not yes. brought back the whole book the map yeah. and maybe don't show anyone the map that too yeah she basically like i guess be- this is probably the first time they're almost on the same footing as like age-wise I th- he's still yeah. obviously younger than her mm-hmm. but like she's always seen him as a child so he's mm-hmm. like rummaging through her bag and she's like oh it's not a big deal but it is because he's right. finally starting to be you know especially considering in that time period people grew up a lot quicker yeah um, how old is he supposed to dad. be at that point do you remember like 19, late teens yeah yeah because yeah. he's what roughly 12 when he breaks his leg so yeah, yeah 19 yeah, yeah late teens sounds right in a few years um yeah. so yeah so it alice is brought back she nurses alice back to health and essentially <sighs> starts this like sister friendship kind of it's their friendship i love yeah she and I'll, this kind of like oh this made me so sad because Alice at first doesn't remember what happened like why she has these right. cuts and bruises and why she hurts and stuff and 
um, she tries to get Dana to tell her, and when she asks Dana, she's like, "Am I free? Am I a slave?" It's like, oh God, this is yeah. killing me. Yeah. yeah. Um. But like, kind of back to what you were saying too about how Dana doesn't really go on this trip of like, I gotta make my family line happen. Yeah. Um, Rufus tells Dana when he's done waiting basically for Alice and that he's gonna have her no matter what. Basically, Dana gets to be the the messenger for that. Um, Dana doesn't want to at first, you know? Like, she knows what this would all eventually lead to her, you know, her family line, but she doesn't want to. Um, And when she tells Alice, she actually just is like, I was told to tell you, do with it what you want. Like, I'm not telling you what to do. Yeah, that she doesn't push her or anything like that. She's giving her three options. She can refuse and be whipped and then raped. And then raped. Or she can be raped without beaten. Or she could try to run away again and die. Yeah, that essentially has been good options. Yeah. So, yeah. Where they're highlighting the fact that there are essentially no good options for being a black woman in this time period. Silas so. does go to him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, it points out how she does. She becomes more subdued and seems to have died a little bit, which was like, oh. yep. It's awful. Yeah. Yep. This is, she was born free. She wasn't just freed. She was yeah. born free. Yeah. And now she is not only a slave, but essentially a toy. Mm-hmm. And which is fascinating to think about because they were friends. Sorry, not fascinating. That might not be the right point. My point being here, (laughs) I don't know the word choice here. Um, She's free all of her life. They were friends as kids. So his dad let this freed woman and her daughter grow up like on the edge of the plantation without, I mean, the patrollers give, them trouble and things like that Mm -hmm. but not necessarily him yeah and it's never really discussed or touched on or anything like but it's not implied that he sends the patrollers or anything like that right yeah um i'm also always yeah oh go ahead oh no i'm also curious i mean it could just be a like not feeling like they could you know afford to or get away with it but i am actually curious and i don't remember if the book delves into this as to why they don't leave and go further north well, hmm. for a while, her husband was right. So, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's a husband, and he, but he's not Alice's father, is he? Or is he? I can't remember because if know. he was, no. and they could prove that, I, I could be wrong, but I would feel like that would probably challenge her Alice's status as a free woman, as a free person. Oh, that's, that's a true. good point. Yeah, I think that is curious. Yeah. Um. um. Rufus um, always made it a point to tell Dana not when he was a kid but as he got older that his dad was always very fair mm-hmm. so I guess maybe fair in the sense of sure they're free they can live at the edge of my property and I won't try to just pull yeah. them into be yeah. slaves because they are free like he's, a, yeah. he's at the very least respecting their freedom and yeah, that comes up, yeah, and that comes up in this section as well with Dana and with the letters. Yes. 
that um, he's the one who that is actually, you know, the father who seems like the worst person up until now, basically, that he is the one who's like, well, you gave her your word. And even if she's a slave, that still matters. And so he's the one who sends the letter to Kevin. Maybe Tom just has slightly more morals than Rufus. Yeah, he there's something about like, even if you make a promise to to anybody that he was going to keep up, keep that promise. Right. Yeah. I think Rufus found it stupid or maybe he says that the neighbor said it was stupid or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But Dana's not aware of this at first because she finds out that Rufus didn't send her letters and tries to run away. Right. Yeah. She finds out too because of Alex, because I think Alex comes there and she says, I was looking where I wasn't supposed to be, but these are yours. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She, Tries to run away, gets a few hours away, and then is caught. Right. And it's this moment that was... I, I, I say, that was kind of wonderful. Like, the writing's wonderful. Because mm-hmm. she's this educated woman who... She's like, I couldn't fucking get to the next town. But that I know all these really, you know, uneducated, unable to read people are going to lead revolutions soon, you know? Yeah. Aaron Tubman's coming, um, Frederick Douglass, and, and it's like this moment of realizing that education isn't everything. Yeah. Um, mm. That yeah. was just... It, it's exactly like what any of us would feel if we went back in time where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I live in 2018. Of course I'm going to know more than you. And it's like, no, you, you're not street smart at all. Yeah. Just because you're educated doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily survive. Yeah, Um, no, I mean, this is very much, I think, through into relief. Like, I'm sure I would do a terrible job at a lot of really basic things if I were sent back in time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that's one thing, too, Sarah points out at the cookhouse. I can't remember when, but something about um, how when when Dana came there, she didn't know how to do anything. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. She worked hard and she did learn it, you know, which, yeah, yeah, she wouldn't know how to cook in this scenario, in this setting. Like on an open fire, like with these kinds of kitchen tools. Right. That she didn't know the names of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, She finds out she's she's betrayed because she helped Alice get into Rufus's bed, which means that another woman had been thrown out. Mm-hmm. Liza uh, was the one who told yeah. on her and I really liked mm-hmm. that part of it when Liza shows up and she fell down the stairs and she has all these bruises <laughs> and she's missing teeth and coincidentally but you know whatever Alice, Tess and Carrie also have some scratches on themselves <laughs> <laughs> and Alice yeah. I think it was Alice who was like basically we let her know <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she's not going to do was, this again it was really really a great moment of like all of this is horrible, but we've got your back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Kevin shows, so she's captured. She's whipped. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alice takes care of her kind of the way she yes. took care of her. And one of the and things interesting too, is that being whipped doesn't send her back that she actually in some ways I think like if that had been the first thing that had happened to her when she'd gotten back I think it would have 
but then at this point she's become in some ways acclimated enough that she knows that they are whipping her to teach her a lesson and not to physically endanger her life. Right. Yeah. I think he even tells her like, you have to be whipped because otherwise we'll, you know, we'll have tent runoff tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Kevin shows up. He's bearded. He's grayer than he was. And this is the moment when we realize that Rufus might be in love with Dana or something because he starts demanding that she can't leave and turns mm-hmm. a revolver or a revolver, a shotgun on her and mm-hmm. threatens her. And because he is threatening to kill her, she starts feeling dizzy and this time brings back Kevin. Yeah. Yes. Also too, when Dana runs away and gets caught, Tom kicks her in the face and I think as she's passing out Rufus protests and he's like you didn't have to do that and after she got whipped um, I think he wants to eat dinner with her or eat a meal with her or something so it's kind of like he almost wants he wants her he wants to almost be not her savior but kind of something like that yeah like she but needs also to learn her place but her yes. place is higher than most so like, but you want yeah. to still control her and yes. possess her, like with Alice. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of similarities there in terms of how Rufus yeah. approaches both Dana and Alice. That, like, in his own way, he loves them, but that is just not something that's actually going to possibly be decent because, yeah. you know, he loves them, but he still thinks that he can own and control them. Right. Is this when he starts referring to both of them as his women or his, not as mm-hmm. his wives, but it's like as two parts of the same woman or yeah. is it the next time around? And plus people do say that they look I alike. Yeah. People yeah. say that they look alike. And it's also clear that like he, I don't know that he like obviously has his thing with Ellis who he sees himself as being in love with. And that Dana in some ways he sees as like his, I don't know, somebody at this point I would say as a kind of almost maternal or like older sister figure. Yeah. But very connected to Alice as well. So his mother has, she's in Baltimore and oh right, she's a, she's essentially had a mental breakdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause she had twins. And they didn't. She had twins. And yeah. Died. yeah. Yeah. So she's like the twins. 19th century version of being institutionalized. Yeah. Um, so Dana brings back Kevin. And instead of the happy reunion that I was hoping for. Poor Kevin. <laughs> like, I get it. But I also was like very mad at Kevin. Yeah. Just like, God oh. damn it. Yeah, like when he essentially said he'd forgive her if Rufus had raped her. Oh, I had some issues oh. with that. I had some issues yep. with that. Yeah, it's like, oh, you I, would forgive her, that. would you? Oh, good yes. for you. Oh wait, I, I think that so actually mad. comes back comes later. So maybe I wasn't as mad at him. Maybe I wasn't mad at him yet. Mm, I probably was mad at him. I think in this <laughs> section, yeah. I think in this section, I was mostly upset with him because he seemed like he was really angry at her because he had had to go through this experience. And on the one hand, like I do kind of get, I'm sure it really sucks to be, you know, a person from the 20th century trapped in 1820 something or whatever it is at this point. Obviously, yes, that is terrible. But on the other hand, it's like, 
you do know that if she were there for five years, her life would have been so much worse than yours, right? Yeah. Right. If she made it five if years. If she made it exactly, five years, yeah. yeah. Uh, we find out that he worked as a teacher. Um, he helped slaves escape and had grown the beard to disguise himself um, because he was getting known to help slaves uh, become free. Um, and like, I mean, you know, we've seen enough movies of like people having to adjust back to what's considered normal life. I mean, cast away, he sleeps on the floor after, you know, being on the mm-hmm. island for so long and, and things like that. So like, I get that. It's the anger that bothered me. But also, like, yeah, I can imagine he needs to take a few minutes to, like, sort out his own feelings. Yeah. It did also frustrate me, actually, that, like, I don't know, it kind of felt reading it like he sort of, like, wanted to be acclaimed for the fact that he was essentially behaving with basic human decency. And, like, I I get Mm. that, obviously, it was really dangerous, genuinely, to be, like, a white person attempting to help, you know, escape slaves at this point in time, that he was, in fact, risking his life. But the extent to which he was, like, you know, oh, look at me, like, I should be, like, praised for this, like, choice that I made, I found kind of bothersome, honestly. I feel like he was also, when she... I think when he says something about it and she's like, Oh, you help slaves escape. When she asked like to confirm that that's what he had been doing. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I seemed almost offended. It's like, well, your comments about wanting to go out West and enjoy things. And that this is a great time to yeah. live. In, I would ask yeah. the same question to clarify. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I do wonder if this is us and, and where we live and mm-hmm. how we're viewing it and, or if, as opposed to like, how Octavia Butler tried to write him. Yeah, um, I can hmm. definitely see him being a character who, like, might have seemed more positive in the 1970s before, like, yeah. like had people had the same, like, I don't know, explicit critiques that we do now about, like, allyship yeah. and the extent to which, like, you don't get a cookie for being a good ally. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> I was on Instagram <laughs> earlier looking at the Good Boy Awards where it was like, <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> Um, I was going to say something. Oh, I we didn't discuss it. So she came back without Kevin, and because she was afraid to drive and everything, like she got her cousin to buy her groceries and basically set it up. You know, her cousin now thinks that Kevin is beating her. Um, yeah, and that he's right. like he, that he's like beat her, and that maybe then also he's like left her because yeah. she says he's not around. So. Which I only mentioned because we got to discuss how she comes back this time around. Yes. Um, so she. Or there's still there's still two, right? Yeah, we've got yeah. we've got two more. So this one, she packs her bag again. This time she throws in Exeteran and does she throw in the ointment Smart. this time, or is that next time? No, she does this time because mm. she ends up cleaning the knife. Mm. Um. So she. It doesn't say how she, she, they're not together long. Yeah. And mm. she's wearing an inappropriate, quote unquote, dress mm-hmm. because yeah. she ends up in a rainstorm. Rufus is drunk and lying down in a puddle because, of course, this asshole would drown in a fucking puddle. Of course, he would just get drunk and drown in a puddle. Yes. Right. I think uh, she actually like, says something to him at some point, like, 
if you keep behaving like this, it'll be like a miracle if you live past like 25. And I feel like he see when she says that to him, he kind of sees it as a threat. And I'm like, no, that is a valid critique of your lifestyle. <laughs> like sir. you should you not be terrible choices. You should not be in this much danger yeah. this many times by yes. the time you're 20. Yeah. Like that's a right. bad sign. Drowning when you're five. Fine. I get it. You don't know how to swim. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you fell off a tree and broke your leg. 12 year olds, third kids. We all yep, do stupid it's things. It's going to happen. Yep. After that, though, it's like, all and right. And the fire. Sir. The fire is kind of like, oh, okay, your, your response <laughs> to you being kicked at your dad is to like set your house on fire. <laughs> yeah, but this time like around, too- it's almost that they're like in a, in a face off more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like the relationship is no longer yes. happy and joyful. They both are like, yeah. He doesn't know that he is her ancestor, but he also is like, I have your life in my hand in a very yeah. different way. Yeah. Yeah. So like he, by now he gets the connection. Um, not like he consciously thinks, Oh, I'm going to call her, but he knows he gets it. Yeah. He knows that, yeah. I mean, I think um, he, he has figured out that it's like when he is in danger that yeah. he's calls her back. Yeah. Yeah. Every time my life is in danger, she appears. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they think he has malaria? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's never really confirmed. Yeah. Um, but basically, Rufus would have died without modern medicine. Um, Alice has had three babies, but only one, uh, Joe, has survived, mm-hmm. and she is pregnant again. Yeah. Um, so she also finds out, like, the first two died because the doctor is an idiot and an evil dude, but also, like, is a doctor of the time. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of death in childbirth then. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they just didn't know, but also, like, the few times we see the doctor, he is an asshole. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I don't remember if it's the same doctor or not, but, you know, I mean, it is also, like, his, uh, Rufus's mother who, like, lost those two children. Yes. Yeah. I think it is the same doctor. Um, Yeah. She so this is also is this the time where she's like it's like coming home almost or one of these times she's like it's I like think coming so home. yeah I think yeah I that think came up time. before too because when Kevin's being angry mm. at home she says something to That's him right. about when you rode up to the Wayland house didn't it feel like you were coming home like you just got mm-hmm. so used to it and he I think he did agree like he yeah yeah because like. For her, she's lived in this house now a little over a week and a half. For him, it's been maybe a day and a half. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, they've uh, spent much more time in the Whelan Plantation house than right. in yeah. their home in Los Angeles. Yeah. And he's spent more time in 1800s <laughs> than, like, they yeah. had been married. Yeah. Right. And that... Cool. I expected him to have found someone else. Like she never asks him. She I was never waiting questions. for that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so interesting. It. Yeah, I mean that was and that was the other thing that really bothered me about like him asking, being like, "Oh, I would forgive you if like he yes. raped yeah. you." Is that it's like really you in that five years you didn't sleep with anyone? Exactly. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I was honestly I believe waiting that. for the next. I was waiting for the next thing to be like, "I would forgive you." Because let me tell you, exactly. I guess about this, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, and then she's like, yeah. 
no, you asshole, I never slept with anybody else because it's yeah. not been five years for me. Right. But also, also I was a like, slave. Yes. Also, like, cool, you could forgive me like, for being raped. And here's some yeah. divorce papers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, God. I, like, I, know, I don't know how if Rufus ever really viewed her as his slave, but he's, I, he viewed her as a slave, you know. Yeah. Um, and as so, his in a certain possessive yeah. way, at least. Yeah. So, yeah. And actually, I think he asks her, it's after this trip that he says that he would forgive her. Um, or he doesn't come out and say it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> she's just like, oh, because the way when he's trying to broach the subject to her, she's like, oh, you're trying to ask me if he raped me. Yeah. And you yeah. would think that that would be the trigger to Kevin to say, okay, so she didn't consent to have sex with this guy. She yeah. did not want to have sex with this guy. Mm-hmm. But he keeps going down that line of, oh, you know, I know how it was. Things happen. It's almost oh. like okay. he wants to ask if he's in love. she's in love with Rufus, but mm-hmm. but doesn't know how to be like, hey, so you're great, great, whatever, yeah. grandfather. Um, yeah. But she doesn't. Are you sexually attracted to him? You're yeah. great, great, great grandfather. <laughs> and it's like, you mean this person who I've literally kind of watched grow up and, oh yeah, owns slaves. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does specifically. Yeah, she doesn't specifically ask him. You mean you could forgive me for having been raped? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Kevin's priorities. Yeah, (laughs) it's one thing to ask your partner if something like that happened to them. It's another thing to implicitly blame them. Yeah. Oh yes. So this is the time that she's there the longest. It's at least eight months, I feel like. Yeah, Mm -hmm. eight months. Because Alice is barely pregnant when she gets there, and Alice does have uh, uh, Hagar. Finally. Um, Which Which is a really interesting name choice also. Um, Which, like, as far as I know, was not an especially common name at this point. No. Um, and which in terms of like its biblical reference is a kind of like weird and fascinating choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rufus's dad does die this time. He has a heart attack oh. and Dana can't, cannot save him because she's not a doctor. This and and also so has angry. no modern medical equipment besides like no. aspirin. Right. Yeah. Which like, sure. That's, pretty great compared to what the doctors of the time had however but it's not going to help with a heart attack, attack. <laughs> right <laughs> and but of course rufus blames her because mm-hmm. i think he says you just let him die yes and then the next day instead of working at the cookhouse she ends up having to go into the fields to mm-hmm. chop the corn stalks which she'd never done before yep and, and then he does now have an overseer yes well, they sold Luke. I can't yes. remember. I think it, I, yeah, the father that, yeah. sold Luke at some point. Um, yeah. And so now there is a, like, white overseer. Right. Yeah. And Nigel and Carrie got married, and they made mm-hmm. me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. They're that nice. Comes up the last trip. And when we find out that, yes, Nigel did, of course, he ran away, you know, after his father was sold, I think, down south somewhere. Um, but, you know, he came back got whipped and Rufus convinced Tom to let him keep him 
And then he basically, it seemed like, encouraged Nigel and Carrie's relationship to basically for Nigel to yeah. put down roots to not run again. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think it's also thinking... about that time. I think it's also in this section that Dana starts thinking about the rationale um, according to which, like, they didn't sell Carrie and starts to actually question the idea that she was just not sold because, like, she couldn't be sold because she was a mute. And starts mm-hmm. thinking about, like, oh, actually, probably he could have sold her and made the deliberate choice to essentially not sell the least valuable of her children in order to keep her from running, in order to keep her right. basically just complacent enough. Right. And Rufus is definitely thinking, like his dad, in that sense of yeah. how yeah. to keep the slaves. And then if they get married and they have kids, you got more slaves. Yep. And is it... I guess it's not till the next trip that you start to see that, like, he is also selling off slaves. No, you do see it this time. Okay, it is this time, yeah. yeah. So his dad dies. He realizes he's got some debts. um, And he essentially has Dana take care... His mom comes back. And Dana's job becomes to take care of his mom, but also help Rufus run the household. Mm -hmm. Because he's just not educated enough. Yeah. But he does Um, also say... Um, because Tess gets sold, one of the ones who beat up Liza for telling on yes. Dana when she tried to run away. Tess gets sold. Um, and she tells... has slept with, or she had been, like, I mean, you know, honestly being, like, raped by, presumably, yeah. Tom, right? Yes. Yeah. And then he got tired of her and passed her on to his former overseer. He had an overseer at one point who I think was yeah. his wife's brother. And now mm-hmm. it's a different That's one right. for this trip. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess they were done with her. Because they sold her, but Rufus claims that yep. this was something Tom had in the works before he died. Right. Yeah. And it was purely because him. of these Maybe. debts. I did because he doesn't sell anybody else until he's doing it to be vindictive. And That's I think because he uses Dana to basically help keep off the creditors. And right. Um, and that was one of the really upsetting things too is that he essentially makes her. I mean, very much kind of complicit in the running of his slave plantation Mm -hmm. um, by, you know, relying on her for, you know, administrative labor, basically, um, so that he can, you know, and rationalizing this to her as you have to do this or otherwise it will basically be your fault if I have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is very disturbing. gives her paper in this time as well. Yeah. So that she can write whatever she wants. Mm -hmm. And... Oh, yeah. Dana hates being anybody's secretary. It's a part of the reason why she yeah. never went to white collar work. And like she and Kevin get into a fight about it. It's the biggest moment that I was like, you know what, Kevin? Like, fuck you. Like, yeah. This, like, this I'm sorry. Why married. do you want your wife to like type your papers yeah. for you? Like, fuck off. Type them yourself. Yeah. This was before they were married that he wanted her to type up yep. the pages. I think she had done a couple and then was like, no, I don't want to do this. And he got angry first of all you're asking this person to do you a favor if they say no fucking deal with it (laughs) you're a writer yeah part of being a writer like write your own shit or type your own shit yes she hates typing like she talks about how she writes all of her drafts in longhand and the Mm -hmm. last one she'll type and like he kicks her out of his apartment I mean, and even if she liked typing, like typing oh, somebody's so, yeah. handwritten drafts, that is no. yeah. work. And that is yeah. a huge favor to ask of somebody. Yeah. Right. And, and it, also, yeah. your arms are not broken. Do it yourself. No. Yep. No. 
But, like, I know Mary Shelley used to do that for Percy Shelley, so part of me was like, this is definitely a writer's thing, but also, Mm -hmm. that was the 1800s as well. Like, not 1970. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, I guess, like, the 1950s, 60s, at least, like, based on Mad Men, which is where my knowledge on this is coming from. It was still, like, definitely pretty normal that you would have, like, a woman, that if you were, like, an elite male, you'd have, like, a woman's secretary who, like, types shit for you, so... And she knew shorthand and everything, so, like, she knew most of the secretary stuff. She just, she chose not to do it, and, like, yeah. good for her. Yeah. yeah. But, like, Rufus knew that she hated this stuff. Kevin does tell him that, and, yeah, like, it's, the way he manipulates her, that he manipulates everything, is just kind of insane. And, yeah. Like, it's just to the point, because she never, she always forgives him, because she sits there and she's like, how do I always forgive him? Hmm. And, <laughs> spoilers, it's because he's not trying to convince her to sleep with him. Uh, That's the kind of bare minimum he can do, that that yeah, in a way yeah. she, she is giving him a cookie for that, that he's like, well, yeah. at least you're not raping me. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, everything else. <laughs> She convinces him to educate his son yeah. and and some of the slave children as well. Um, this is where we have the Christmas and the harvest festivals. Um, yeah. And there's a slave named Sam that's giving her the eye and, like, is interested mm-hmm. in her. And uh, Rufus she, is not super happy about that. He <laughs> like, is not. He no. asks her if she found anyone that he would that she would want to jump the broom with. And she says, no, she has one husband. And I think she asks what he would do if she did. And he said, mm-hmm. sell them. Um, Charming. And he makes, yeah, he makes a comment about how, yeah, she has a husband, but he's far off. So that's where I was kind of like, okay, yeah. Rufus, can we not that's do this? Got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sam approaches her about training his younger siblings and no flirting or anything really. Mm-hmm. And the next day he is sold. Yeah. Yep. And when Dana tries to plead with Rufus to not do this, he hits her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where she's like, okay, she goes back into the house and she decides to send herself home. Yeah. By slitting her wrists. <laughs> it's very risky. It was very risky, but also kind of to the point where she was like, nothing here scares me anymore to the point that I feel like I'm going to die. So this this is what I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And in all this time, she was gone for three hours. It had been eight months. (laughs) And she turned 27 and it just, (sighs) it was so much. Right. And on top of that, this is when Kevin says he'd forgive her if Rufus had raped her. Yeah, that she comes home after all of this, and then he's yeah. like, "This is my feeling about this." Yeah. It's like, Can we maybe you should shut up. Important off. pieces here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. He also has kind of come back to grips on like reality in a way because like he does make a joke or something, and it, yeah, Kevin, not great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Although. Is this when they have, there's one of the times they have a talk about whether or not she could use a knife on someone. That might have been actually early on 
when this was mm. happening, though. Yeah, she does, because the first time that she, after, so I guess the second time she goes and the patrollers find her, mm. like, she has the opportunity to kill him and she can't right. do it. And then after mm-hmm. that, yeah, then that's the discussion of the knife and she's like, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to, now I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, excuse me. Uh, so this is, but this is the first point where they kind of openly are like, either we need to kill him or something. Especially now that like mm-hmm. her, his daughter, her direct descendant is officially born. Like right. this, there should be no more need for him to pull her back. Yeah. Oh, this is where I was like, we got to kill Rufus. As soon as Hagar was born, it's like, and I'm done Yeah, it's like, guy. all right. got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for him to be gone. Yes, um, please. But then at the same time, uh, just with, I can't remember if it comes up this trip or the next trip, when I think she's talking to, or having a conversation with Carrie, um, and Carrie points out to her that all the other slaves, like what would happen basically to the plantation yes. if he died. Which... I think it was the time yeah. before. Yeah. But I think I in some like, ways that's why a... she's like, oh, I, I guess I shouldn't kill him. Yeah. Because there's um, more to it than just her. It's all these other lives, these people that yeah. she knows that yeah. she's, you know, established relationships with. Alice has also made a plan to run away again after her daughter <sighs> is born. She asks for some of the opium that uh, his mother's been taking and... Right. To keep the baby quiet, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Just like, that's quiet. also risky. Plans to run away with Joe and, and, and Hagar and... and Dana tries to talk him out, talk her out of it, like understandably, because like it doesn't ever seem to work. I mean, obviously it has yeah. to work. Yeah. But like, for whatever reason, about this, yeah, like it's not going to work with an infant. It seems like the likelihood of that turning out well is not great. No, not yeah. at all. Um, so it's fifteen days before she is called again, and it's like. Kevin's like, you know, maybe everything's done. It's all going to be okay. And she's like, no, I don't think so. Because there was eight mm-hmm. days before the last one. Like, it just kind oh, yeah. of happens. Yeah. And it is July 4th when she goes back again. Um, and it's been maybe a few months for the first time. Like, everybody looks kind of the same. Mm-hmm. And she finds out that Alice has killed herself. In the barn she uh has hanged herself and i i don't know like i i, I was still holding out hope i guess at this point like it just completely this was the point i was like oh no it's done it's all done yeah and well and rufus try is like contemplating at least killing himself yeah and that's what calls her back yeah um and alice so alice did attempt to run away and so Rufus has her whipped and told her that he sold her children. Yep. And As you is, do to yeah. the woman you love. Yes. In reality. Because you love them so much. So much. Yep. In reality, they're just with his aunts. He actually cares for his kids, I guess. Um, yeah. He. Dana does convince him, though, that the least. Because part of Alice's thing when 
Dana was there the last time was try- her trying to get certificates of freedom for the kids. And yeah. He kept saying he'd yeah. do it, he'd do it, he'd do it in his will, whatever, he'll do it, but he never would put it in writing. So something Dana said to him was, you would never put it in writing. This is the least you can do now is it's put it two in certificates writing. Yeah. of freedom for, the, for these kids. Yeah. Do it. Like right now. Yeah. Um, Rufus kind of becomes glued to Dana. They, he's got her teaching his kids. Um, she's trying to convince him to create a will. Um, because to free the slaves in case something happens. And he's like, no, I would never do that because, or I would never tell you if I do that because that means you could kill me. And she's like, I never thought of that. Um, <laughs> but maybe I should have. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Some of the readers of this book may have thought that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then, and then the point that I thought, surely this would never happen. Surely, surely not. Yeah. And I'm like reading this and he's like, Alice never stopped hating me or learned to stop hating me. Maybe you will too or whatever. And mm-hmm. I was like, what's he talking about? It yep. took me way too long to realize that he was going to yep. rape her. Like it took me says, way too long. It says they're one woman. They're like part of the same person. Yep. Like, no. Yeah. Because I mean, he started saying that a while ago. And once he started saying that, I'm like, oh, no, this isn't going to go well. Yeah. Yep. Which is disturbing also because he's, like, known her as this, like, much older, like, almost maternal figure since he was, like, a very young child. But anyway. But then I guess, I don't know. It's like, yes, you would see her that way as a kid. Maybe because she's not aging when she comes back. Yeah. He's unable to see her in that maternal stance once he's, like, almost her age. Yeah. Stop it. (laughs) Don't do this. Definitely stop it. Yeah. Because um, just... he, doesn't he follow her up to the attic where her stuff is? That's mm-hmm. where this takes this final. Yeah. Yes. She yeah, runs up to up grab there. her knife. And she gets it. But then and... he apologizes too. Yes. He, sat, he sits down and says, I'm sorry. And that's like the only time he's ever apologized for anything. The whippings being like forced into work in the field. He apologized in other ways by like, let's have dinner together. Or I tried to get you out of the field sooner. I came too late. This was the first time he apologized. So I was like, well, he's really going to do this. He is committing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is his apology in advance of doing this, which makes it yep. a deeply meaningless apology. Yeah. And she has a moment where she's like, oh, I could let him do this. Yeah, maybe I, I could, could forgive him. Maybe mm-hmm. I could forgive him. And it's like the moment she's like, oh, God, what the hell did I just think? Yeah. And she also realizes, like, he's not hurting her. And if I stay calm and still, like, he's not going to hurt me. And also he took a bath. <sighs> yeah. And, like, yeah. I would never be, like, a Tessa or Eliza. And, like, maybe. And then it's like, nope. What the hell am I thinking? And Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> this is not, in fact, acceptable at all. No. no. Right. But, again, it shows just how much a will and, and this fire can be broken down. Yeah. yeah. And just can you kill him, which will stop everything, mm-hmm. or give in and let him do 
Because, yeah, if she had submitted, knowing that he wouldn't hurt her, she never would have gotten home again. Yeah. No. That would have been it. Yeah. Also, it it weirdly reminded me of this conversation I had once with someone I used to work with, who she once said something like, someone came into her house and attacked her. She wouldn't necessarily defend herself. Like, she didn't, she wouldn't hurt someone else. Even in self-defense or kill someone else in self-defense because Mm -hmm. she didn't see where their life was more than hers. So when Dana thought maybe she could forgive him this, I was like, oh, that's kind of like that. I don't agree with that. (laughs) Please fucking stab him (laughs) right now. Because he even has a moment where he's like, you looked so enough like Alice, like maybe we could convince the kids that, or especially Joe, who like remembers his mom. No. And it's like, this is really going to turn into where she's going, she could potentially raise. Thank God the prologue has her coming back and losing her arm because I actually don't know if I would have finished this book otherwise. You had that sort of comfort. I think it would have been boring. It just would have been too afraid to find out, like, what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, and that would have been deeply horrific. Yep. So she travels back and, like, I guess, like, a portal opens and she goes through the portal and her arm gets stuck, essentially, in her wall. Because he's holding her arm. That's, That's, like, that's why she comes back, basically, without her arm, is because he's holding onto it. Yeah. So how they explained that, how she explained her side of that one to the police, I don't know. I don't either. Because at least for Kevin, he could say, I heard her screaming. I walked into the room and I saw, as he described it, was her arm was crushed, which is not exactly what happened, but kind of. I mean, I guess she just eventually says, like, he didn't do it. And at some point, like, there's not that much the police can do. I mean, they can't, like, imprison her for. Right. Her arm having been cut off. I mean. Before I realized that Kevin was white reading the prologue I was like she's talking about how they released him and how it was quick and everything and I was like no something's wrong like he's not getting out because all I could think of was like there's no way in hell that if they think this guy is beating his wife mm-hmm. he's getting out and then you find out Kevin's a white guy and I was like oh that explains okay. it yeah yep. <laughs> um, yeah so then we have the epilogue and where I was like, maybe we'll see a moment of like Dana and Kevin kind of able to move forward or like have some kind of future. And I guess it is supposed to be like proof that it actually happened and that Rufus is actually dead and like that they can find peace, but there is no sense of peace. Yeah. At least not for me. Maybe I read it differently. That I think there is an extent to which, like, this experience still was clearly incredibly damaging, and there's no, like, for both of them, and there is no obvious, like, like, it hasn't just been kind of easily resolved. All the slaves ex- are are listed as sold, except for Nigel, Carrie, Joe, and, and Hagar. Mm-hmm. So I assume that they all escaped, which makes sense, because Nigel can write, so he can write. Uh, papers well and that yeah. he had some advanced notice because he's the one right. who started yes. the fire to cover up the fact that she right. murdered rufus yeah 
Did Sarah get kids. sold? Or was Sarah dead by Sarah was listed. Sarah's yeah. was listed. Nigel and Carrie's kids were listed. That's right. Yeah. Um, everyone else. Really, it was just Nigel, Car- uh, Nigel Carrie, Joe, and, and Hagar kids. who were not yeah. listed. Yeah. But Nigel and Carrie could get their own kids. That is horrible. Yeah. So dumb. Um. It's like, cool. They can... They escaped, they got up north, they raised this nice little family, and then it's like, nope, you know what? Those three kids that they actually had were theirs. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, like, those kids, I guess probably it's very possible, given the date at this point, that, like, they would have been, you know, freed by the end of the Civil War, like, within their lifetime, but it, they mean they never would have, like, been able to find their parents or anything like that. If they could survive, yeah. if they were, because... Yeah, I mean, assuming that they weren't it, murdered, yeah. essentially, or, you know, like, they could have survived technically that to that age. This was still 30 years before the Civil War, so... Yeah, and the kids are probably pretty young, so they would have, like, by the end of the Civil War, been in their, like, 40s to 50s. So as I said, like, it's not definite, but it's not impossible that they would have survived, but as I said, even if they'd survived, they never would have been able to find their families. No, God, no. They would have never found their families. Yeah. And that's the book. <laughs> this book has... this. Everybody should read this book. And it has one of the strongest female characters that at no point did I hate. Like, everything yeah. she felt, everything she... Every decision she made felt real and never I don't know I have a a lot of times where I'm just like you're doing stupid shit I never felt that (laughs) way with her no I think I find her very like very relatable in terms of the choices that she made like she doesn't always necessarily make like the best pot I don't know maybe she does make the best possible choice like she never makes choices that are at least like unexplainable or that seem dumb you end up thinking, what would you do in this situation? Especially the first couple times that she goes back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time with Kevin, it's easier to just fit into these roles to just try to get through until you can get home. Yeah. Um, it's... Everybody, have, have you both seen Black Panther? Yeah. Yes. So, Killmonger's line at the spoilers for anyone who hasn't, if you haven't. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Why haven't Go you see seen it. Black Panther? Oh my God. Clearly, you should have seen it by now. So, yes. this is your own fault. It's still in theaters, actually. Um, <laughs> his line at the end about wanting to be buried in the ocean where his ancestors knew it would be better mm-hmm. to be than to live a life in bondage. That line pretty much gutted me in the theater. Yeah. I kept thinking back to that while I was reading this book, especially when she talks about how easy it was to just get acclimated to this role. And especially how Mm -hmm. the first time she gets whipped and then she does get sent home and comes back wanting to avoid that again at all costs. And that that one time was enough to just, I guess, keep her in line. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. She's yeah, not everyone just. Should read this. this book could have easily turned into Kevin saving the day. Oh, I'm so yeah, and I am didn't. so relieved that it did not do that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that even or though, Rufus saving the day, yeah, even oh, I mean yeah. that I'm also in she some ways I as yeah 18th yeah. century manic pixie dream girl, and that would be <laughs> awful. But yeah, like you know, there is still I haven't seen a ton of movies about slavery and things like that because. It just, it's kind of like, also like war movies where I'm just like, why are we making, these are horrific things, why are we making these movies? And, but the ones I've seen, it's always like the female is broken and raped and needs to be saved. And it's even like the women that are raped in this book still have personality and fire Mm -hmm. and don't need to be saved. I mean, Alice continues to still try to get away. Yeah. And, and you can make the argument. I mean, like she took her own life. She made the decision to get away. And I mean, at the very least it shows in an extremely disturbing way, but it is some amount of agency. Yeah. That's all the notes I have. Do you guys have anything further? I think those are the only things I in particular had notes on. Um, One thing that occurred to me kind of belatedly is that if I were Kevin in the period where he was stuck there for like five years, I would have tried to kill Rufus to bring Dana back. Oh, Oh, yeah. Kevin, where were you? Fuck you, Kevin. Right? Don't you want to get home? That is smart. Yeah, I would have just like, like, that occurred to me as I was taking notes, basically, is that I was like, oh, I would have done that. I mean, it's like, you need this horrific moment of them being separated, and then it's five years for him, but also, like, fuck you, Kevin. (laughs) But also, if he had tried, he might have died. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe should have set something up where yeah. he yeah. maybe wouldn't get caught. I don't know how you set that up. Yeah. I don't know. But it's like the thin line of making Rufus realize that he might die, yeah. but not and realize not that like him. it's to bring her back. Because <laughs> then like yeah. when she comes back, yeah. maybe he won't die. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that is a very good point. Like, fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin... We we all clearly had some issues with Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he was supposed to be a problematic character. Probably not. I just, but like, he, when I got, when he got to that point yeah. about saying this would be a great time to live in, I think I went to Chris and I was like, listen, if this ever happens to us, say this. Never I'm say gonna, this. I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> Probably. Understandably. <laughs> yeah. If we ever get back to the 2018s, you can expect that divorce. Yes. <laughs> and you'll be calling, what was his name, Matt? The the, the car guy? <laughs> yes, <laughs> for a triple A. So good. But yeah. I like the idea now that actually every episode of Judging Book Cover should mention Matt from AAA. <laughs> <laughs> it totally should. <laughs> I wonder where he is now. <laughs> if he ever listens, don't contact Stephanie. <laughs> that would be creepy. Don't. Yeah, it would yeah. be. But, you know, comment on the Facebook page or something to be like, hey. <laughs> just in general. Like... <laughs> um, I did add a few more of her books to my list. Mm-hmm. I am curious to see um, what other sci-fi she did because I yeah. I don't know enough about her, but I can't. I know someone else has recommended her recently, one of her trilogies, um, 
and I don't know, I can't, they can't all be this, like, high literature, like, some of it has to be more yeah. trash sci-fi, right? Like, And I think, I mean, she clearly is, like, a very good writer, and I imagine oh, yeah. that that's probably, you know, continuous, but I think from what I've read that, like, her other work is more at least sort of, like, traditional sci-fi and content. Yeah. But... She also got a MacArthur Fellowship, so, like, I oh. think she's also, like, the first sci-fi author to get one, too, so, like... That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, unfortunately, she is no longer with us. Died way yeah. too young. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I will my friend also more. recommended the Parable series. Okay. I looked at a couple, and I can't remember which one I actually added to my list. Because mm-hmm. one of them, I was like, this is, this sounds way too sci-fi. Like, I like sci-fi. This is way too sci-fi for me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually more of a, like, fantasy person than a sci-fi person, I would say. Like, the sci-fi that's, like, too science-y, I tend to not like as much, at oh, least. Oh, yeah. So. The Parables is the one with Earth Seed. Okay. That is the one I added to my list. Okay. okay. Which is more dystopian, if I remember, than, like, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, yeah, this is me. <laughs> this is where my sci-fi lies. <laughs> oh. Okay. Stephanie, is there anything else that you wanted to go over? Um, I don't think so. Ooh. Book drink. Yes. Yes. I forget that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I feel like this is hard every episode, but like that's what yeah. I could find actually is like, no, this is this is This one's really hard. I yeah. try to think of one, like, even though I'm not the one to do it, I try to think of one as I'm reading through. Same, this yeah. one I got mm-hmm. to the end and was like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah, I mean so I will say the first thing when I was asked that popped into my head was essentially um what is the most Southern drink I can come up with? (laughs) Um, And then I Googled what is the most Southern drink and what came up was like a mint julep. And I was like, yes, that's what I can see like Rufus drinking as he's sitting, you know, in his room contemplating about beating his slaves. (laughs) All I could think of was like, if I was gone, what would be the first thing I'd want to drink when I got back? Oh, after like some good water. Yeah. Definitely a Dr. Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) So after like that, yeah. Yeah. Like, first of all, inhale as much water as possible because, I don't know. Yeah. The water is probably better in 1819 in some ways, but also like going to make you sick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just I would not really want to eat or drink it. I mean, obviously you have to because if you don't, you die. But eating and drinking sounds like a dangerous endeavor at that point. Yeah. I, I just, like, this book goes into even, like, when she is in her bathroom for the first time after being gone for a while, and she's like, I don't have to stand over a hole and, like, hold my breath. And I was like, I just can't uh, imagine. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, I know how they brushed their teeth back then, and I just, no. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. Which I think this book did, like, a really interesting job as well of, like, reflecting on the, I mean, the many ways in which time travel would really suck. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And, like, one of them is, like, the big one that, like, as I said before, I think this book really delves into how, like, if you're not a white dude, time travel is terrible. But also, like, that it's, like, oh, I'm back in time. I really want soap. I really want toothpaste. Yeah. Yeah. 
these are things that I take for granted that (laughs) they did not have in 1819. Hmm. Like, clean clothes on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. A bed, not just a pallet on the floor. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, and when, um, uh, when she's taking care of his mother... She, the mother doesn't want the trundle bed brought in, so oh, I think yeah. she just slept on the floor. She actually slept on the floor. Yeah, that she and that I think that like even comes up, and she's like, "No, it's fine. She can sleep on the floor." Yeah. Yep. It's like, oh, that's yep. that's lovely of you. Thanks, Margaret. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I see why Sarah keeps bitch. calling you a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have no friends here, Margaret. <laughs> also, central air. I cannot imagine oh. how awful yeah. these things are. And Maryland uh, yeah. is just north enough that, like, they probably got s- enough snow. And, like, it definitely... Yeah, no, Maryland, I mean, having grown up in Maryland, like, Maryland weather is terrible because in the summer, like, I mean, you know, especially, like, D.C. in particular, like, it's actually built on a swamp. And so the humidity is, like, disgusting yeah. and it's really hot. And then it's also, like, not that different from the northeast in the winter. So yeah. it's, like, the worst of both worlds. That yeah. doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> And no central air conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. Like they had a child fanning. Oh, that's someone right. At one point. Or heating. They had like, oh, let right. me build a fire. Yes. Yeah. And matches weren't invented yet. That right. Was, that yes. That was a nice touch. And doesn't she like mention matches? And he was like, "What? What are matches?" And she's like, "Oh." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never wanted to be a time traveler, <laughs> but I super don't want to be a time traveler now. Yeah. Nope. Um, so, Sarah, what are you going to be reading next? Uh, so I actually started a book before I read this, realized I needed to read this in time for this recording, and then, um, you know, went back and then stopped reading that book. So now I am going back to that, which is uh, On Beauty by Zadie Smith. Oh, okay. Yeah. I which, have uh, her books on my list. Yeah, I do too. And I've, she's, you know, somebody else who is obviously a, you know, important author. I've never read anything by her before. So I ended up going with this one. I have, I don't think I have either, but she released something new this year or it is coming out. I can't remember. I know it's on. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, that's going to bother me. Uh, It's okay. It's not a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, question. So I know you said that your goal was to read books not written by white men. Was that this year you started that? Yes. So I decided that's going to be just the calendar year of 2018. I am reading, with the exception of some like work things that I have to read, Mm -hmm. I am reading no books that are written by white men. Any favorites so far? Uh, So I read uh, N.K. Jemisin's The Inheritance Trilogy. Um, Everybody keeps talking about these. This I think I've heard about this. Yeah, well, so her her newer series, actually, I think both of the first two won the Hugo Award, and I think and like the third is up for it. Um, so this is actually her first trilogy that she wrote okay. that I decided to read before the newest one, which I think is somewhat more famous. Um, uh, but this one is also like really fantastic, and I'm really excited to read like the newer trilogy at some point relatively soon too. Um, yeah, so that's definitely been probably the highlight thus far, I would say. Oh, and actually, uh, Americana. Um, yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) That is actually, I think like one of my favorite books ever. I love that book. Interesting. I I know a lot of people that have started to do that to get away from 
from uh, either white men or just white authors in general. Yeah. And as long as people... Someone pointed it out to me, and it was like, as long as you're doing it and still reading things that are, like, normal and not trying to only read things that are literary and important and things like that. Like, don't put that emphasis. Like, find yeah romance books, you know, written by uh, women of color. Like, that is a big industry right now that has a lot of drama going on. Because yeah. they keep getting, uh, you know... The romance industry in general has a lot of drama going on. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. And for me, it's that like fantasy, just like, you know, fantasy series, like epic fantasies. Like that's very right. much like a genre that I read a lot of. Uh, and it's like, oh, actually, maybe I should read things in that, the, like this genre that I really like that are not by white dudes. So. Yeah. I'm now curious, like how many books by white dudes have I read this year? Yeah. I'm not going to look this up while we're doing this, but I am curious. Yeah. And I did also definitely, I mean, just because like I have to read things for work, like, um, uh, you know, I am like, I've been teaching this year and like the books that I assigned for teaching because I teach about like medieval history mostly, um, uh, you know, I'm going to be assigning inevitably a lot of things that are written by white men because that's who mainly wrote things in medieval Europe. Um, you know, and I had a class that I taught this semester for which, like, I ended up reading long story, like, Shakespeare and Dickens. Um, so, you know, two, like, very quintessential white men. Um, so, you know, an exception being made for, yeah, so an exception being made for, like, work-related books. But, uh, it's, I think, been, like, really nice to, I don't know, kind of take this as an excuse to, like, branch out more. And I, like, I feel like at this point I've actually come up with such a long list of things that I want to read that, like, fall under this, like, these, like, strictures that I've set for myself. But it's like, oh, actually, like, even if I'm no longer, like, doing this as consciously, like, I should be more consciously trying to read more books that aren't by white men. And, like, there's a lot of, like, amazing stuff out there that I'm really excited to read, you know, even after this year is over. Yeah. So... Nice. Taking a look. I need to branch out in my comic books. Most of my comic book reading has been white males. But I feel like that might also just be the industry. Mm-hmm. Like, but I need to, that's, that's the side that I need to branch out on. So, but yeah. Stephanie, what are you reading next? Well, I feel like I brought this one up last episode. My Angelou's, uh, why the Cage Bird Sings, and I was slacking, so I haven't finished that. I was going to say, so. we are recording essentially a week later, so it's like... Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, so we'll be finishing that, and then Chris got I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara from the library, and I know it's <laughs> very in demand, especially with the recent news about them catching the guy. So right. like, as soon as he's done, I'm like, ah, can you renew it? I want it. <laughs> Don't bring it back. <laughs> Yeah, I so. again. I do have the audiobook, which has yeah. the afterward by Patton Oswalt, which will make me just oh, sob when he talks God. about how amazing she was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yes, if anybody hasn't read it, I highly recommend. It's a wonderful blend of like true crime and like this amazing woman who wrote like I don't know. Though it's it's. The only other thing I could think of was like True Blood, I guess, was was another one that has me. Most of my true crime mm-hmm. I, 
I only go in and out of true crime. I find it fascinating. I don't read a lot of books about true crime. And mm-hmm. this, I, like, devoured in two days. It's so good. Yeah. And I've already been, like, I'm rereading it because it's just <laughs> yeah. so good. Um, I've never read much true crime, actually. But I haven't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've like, read a couple, but not I lately. Owed it. I owed a few because, like, I really got into the Zodiac Killer. And mm. I'm like, eh, I don't really read them, though. I just, yeah. like, kind of collect them. So, um, there's also a lot of books about uh, the West Memphis Three, which was a big case in my hometown that my dad actually worked on. And um, mm. I know that there's a bunch of those true crime books that I'm like, I should read those. But I haven't. I think my sister actually has it this point. So, um, so yeah. Uh, What's on your upcoming list to read? Um, I'm currently reading The Shining. Hmm. Have you ever read that before? I have not. Okay. And, uh, you know, after we did Pet Cemetery, I was like, we, I should check out some of Stephen King older stuff and see if I like it. I'm a little over halfway. Mm-hmm. Um, I do it in an audiobook and it's my like I'm running audiobook or walking mm-hmm. kind of thing. Okay. So uh it's been good and I'm also reading um <laughs> scared the shit out of me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just look at the screen and someone's like behind Stephanie. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I just got home from work. <laughs> oh. Um just lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, I'm also reading. What else am I reading? <laughs> uh, Furyborn, which is some YA book that I've been like on a really bad YA kick. I've completely set aside like the last two or three that I haven't read. So mm. it's not been fun. I'm trying to find another one to get me back into it, and I don't think this is quite the one. No, but we shall. So. You've read uh, Naomi Novik, right? Because I feel like, are you the person who recommended her to me, or is that somebody else? No, because the name's not striking. What did she write? Uh, something called, I want to say it's called Uprooted or something like that, which is like oh, a no. fairy tale yeah. takeoff of some I know, kind. Uprooted. Yep, I have not yeah. Uprooted. Um, so I thought that looked really interesting and that's on my list. But then the other thing that I was thinking about reading in the not too distant, you know, or when it comes out is her new book is, um, like a Rumpelstiltskin adaptation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, I study like medieval Jewish history and particularly economic history and okay. the, that particular book, like it doesn't explicitly say the main characters are Jewish, but it's like a girl named Miriam whose father is a moneylender. Okay. And I'm like, uh-huh. So probably Jewish <laughs> in like the 16th century or whenever she's like setting it. Um, but I think somebody actually referred to it as, or referred to Uprooted as potentially being YA, but then somebody said it's not. So I'm not quite clear what it yeah. falls under. I honestly am not sure. Uprooted, I'm trying to think what fairy tale that is um, without actually looking it up because I know we've discussed it. And it might be on the list for, like, a future season for Fabulous, but it's not mm-hmm. one that we've done yet. I um, want to say that it actually is, like, a kind of mix of things and partially then of, like, Baba Yaga. That's why it's on our list. Okay. Yep. Because we we are planning our Baba Yaga season. Okay. It's, it's not this uh, the one that we're working on now, but it is, like, 
coming up. Like, basically, we just reformatted our entire show because mm-hmm. Baba Yaga is really hard to talk about. Because right. she doesn't have, like, a base fairy tale. Mm-hmm. But, like, one of the big things that we wanted to talk about was Baba Yaga when we started the podcast. So, yeah, basically, <laughs> we're kind of sliding one in on the one that we're doing right now. The season we're working on right now is Stepsisters. And, mm-hmm. like, we're sliding one in to kind of branch it into Baba Yaga. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Like, the, I was like, I know Uprooted is on my list. I cannot think of what it is. But, uh, no. Fairy tales are very weird. Like, some <laughs> of them, it's very hard to find one that's not more, like, new adults. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Because they're usually middle grade, which is like, oh, everything's, like, fluffy. Or then it's, like deer skin which is like oh my god I deeply this. dark this is too dark my eyes i'm never sleeping again and um kindred is very similar to that like, yeah and so i listened to your episode it's, on deer skin and then i was thinking back i'm like i read this book when i was like 14 yeah, it is not a book for kids like what what was no. happening with me and my life that i read uh, this book when i was like 14 no like it is it is these books, I'm going to create a shelf one day, which are books that are really fucking great that everybody should read, but only read once because yes. it's too much. Yeah. I have movies that fall under that uh, that category yes. as well. Like Grave of the Fireflies is a big one of those for me that yeah. like, I am really glad I saw it. I will never watch it again. Yep. I have a few of those too. Um, or yeah. Both of those are on that list. Both of them are read for podcasts, so. <laughs> uh, Sarah, it has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. And this book was honestly amazing. Yes. Um, and everybody should read it. Even after listening, you're going, oh, no, that sounds horrible. Guess what? You should read it. It's so much worse. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me and for giving me the opportunity to make sure I actually read this because uh, I am really glad that I did. And I agree that everybody should read it. Yeah, we'll have to check in later with you in the year to see how your uh, journey without white men is going. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> That's a lot of fun to say. I'll have to. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. I like that a lot. <laughs> I, I think I should start like using that as the way I put it. Like the journey of the, like the journey of no white men. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, I think we've figured out what we're doing next season. <laughs> we decide, our seasons end. I have no idea when they do. Whenever we get bored. So we'll be back in two weeks with Olivia James of the Super Serious Social Justice Podcast, and we will be reading Bloodline by Claudia Gray, which will hopefully be a little bit lighter. (laughs) It is Star Wars, so you never know. Yeah, could go either way. (laughs) Sarah, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, Not in particular at the moment, um, but I am on... uh, Instagram and technically on Twitter, although I do not post very often as Twitter, just under Sarah Ift Decker um, and Facebook as well. I can be found there. Um, So I think that's, uh, that's it for the moment in terms of things I have to plug. (laughs) What about you, Stephanie? Nothing yet, but we are working on it. (laughs) I saw a Facebook post about having something set up. 
I assumed it was for you guys. Oh, no, that's mm-hmm. the other one that he oh, has, God. too, with our friend. Yeah. <laughs> Very disappointed <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I have something else, hopefully, in the works, but I'm going to wait to plug it until it's yeah, no, with a little more detail set up. So, Well, as any guest that comes on that eventually starts a podcast, we will happily post <laughs> your podcast when it does yes. start up. Um, Fantastic. So, yes, just let me know. And uh, I'm very excited for it either way. But okay. anybody listening will just have to wait to find out. So. <laughs> <laughs> now it's uh, a mystery. Exactly. Uh, as for this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. I've started looking at podcasts on Google Play. Um, it's interesting. But I think I might have to start adjusting to that because iTunes is a bitch. Mm. Um, <laughs> you can find us. Our website is judgingbookcovers.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at JBC Podcast. Our email is judgingcoverspodcast at gmail.com. Please don't email because I never do. <laughs> <laughs> don't even know why I'm saying it out. <laughs> it's literally... Libsyn telling me when my bill is due. Um, <laughs> we also have a Facebook group, which is a handbook for judging fabulous retellings covers. Um, you can come and talk books with us if you would like. Uh, Sarah, thank you again. Thank you for having me. I am very Thanks glad for being on. We got through all this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Join us again in two weeks. And don't forget to support your local libraries. Bye. Yay. Bye.